Hey listeners, it's your host, Asia. So sometimes, as you may know, I'm a little slow on the uptake. In this episode, for example, uh, it took me a good half hour to really wrap my head around what our guest Robert Walp of the Houston Brass Band was actually describing to me. That is that brass bands are essentially these community orchestras for people who, for whatever reason, have chosen not to pursue music professionally, but who love it so much, nevertheless, that they've decided to dedicate themselves to playing it together, not for any money, but just for fun. And it's got this really rich history and Ewan McGregor. And he touches on something else in this episode, too, which is the often hair's breadth of difference between professional musician and non-professional musician. And I think that's really interesting food for thought. So sorry that you're about to listen to my brain work very slowly, but if for some strange reason you enjoy listening to the sound of my brain working very slowly and you come back and listen to it every single week, make sure that you go to iTunes and subscribe to us and rate us and review us because it helps us toot our horn to the powers that be about what an awesome podcast this is. I am so sorry, by the way. Todd made me say that. (sighs) Enjoy the episode. My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So... Every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the classical classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with me today is Robert Walp. Robert is the music director of the Houston Brass Band. He's on the faculty at the Moore School of Music at the University of Houston. He's played with the Houston Symphony as assistant principal trumpet. He was on faculty at the Shepherd School of Music at Rice University as well. He's a Yamaha performing artist. Uh, and Robert, welcome to the Classical Classroom. It's nice to be here, Deja. So what are you going to be teaching me about today? British-style brass bands. This is very exciting because I have no idea what that means. So <laughs> I'm going to need a lesson from, like, the ground up. So so what does British-style brass band mean? Well, if you look at one, uh-huh. you'll see an array of 35 musicians all playing brass instruments and a few percussion. But they're, all the instruments are conical bore, that is... There's no trumpets in there. They're cornets instead. And uh, so you have E-flat and B-flat tubas. You've got euphoniums and baritones. You have this small something that looks like a, uh, a small version of a baritone, a, called an E-flat tenor horn, and then flugelhorn, B-flat cornets. You have the little teeny E-flat sopranino cornet. Now there are three trombones in there, and those are, of course, of cylindrical bore. Trombones were instruments that were, of course, capable of playing all of the notes of the scale, all of the, all the notes between the bugle tones that, yeah. that the trumpets uh, could play. Mm-hmm. When valves were attached to uh, brass instruments in the 18-teens initially, Suddenly, the, the brass instruments went from playing just the bugle tones to playing all the notes of the piano. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to the trombones, you had all these instruments. 
and they were incorporated into brass bands as early as the 1820s. The instruments were brand new, and the ensemble was a brand new one, and they were put into use immediately by especially the English for purposes of entertainment. They had all these new cities being built for the rapidly industrialized Midlands of Great Britain, and they needed something to keep the communities entertained on a Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon, but they also wanted to have some activity to keep the coal miners and the other workers occupied in the evening, or at least to, del- you know, to delay their entrance to the pub. <laughs> and so you have these coal miners who'd be wor- been working in, literally in the coal mines all day long, and then they would go to a brass band rehearsal. Uh-huh. several times a week. And brass bands from the late 1820s to the present are ubiquitous. They're all over the United Kingdom, also Norway. Now Austria and mm-hmm. Switzerland have brass bands, and there are, there are a bunch in the U.S. as well. <laughs> but it's a very old tradition, going back almost 200 years. And some pretty great composers have written for pieces for the brass band. Interesting. Like, I'd never heard about this. I mean, I'm uh, some of the listeners know that I, I used to play trumpet. And we never, I, when I was like in school band, you know, like, I don't remember ever learning about a British style brass band. But it sounds like there's this really rich history. Uh, does the, So does the British style, like, does that does that refer to the kind of music that's played as well as the like arrangement of instruments the is there a dancing style that goes along with this <laughs> well no that's the uh, new orleans yeah, brass okay, band right, right. that's that's, the... that's a little bit different <laughs> uh, the uh, there's quite a culture to it it, it uh, british style brass bands have they put on many concerts but also they have contests almost every couple of weeks throughout Uh the year they're rated in divisions from the championship level division then there's five four or five levels below that Um, there's the british nationals every year in in the royal albert hall in uh, london which is a very big deal and uh, there's a charming movie from the mid-1990s called Brassed off with you and McGregor exactly who is one of my favorite people in the world yeah. He, he, yeah yeah I remember that movie ten years ago you were so full of fight now you just blow your bloody trumpet it's a bloody euphonium it's a terrific movie it's it's a charming charming little movie and the the lovely thing is that it's the essentially true story of the Grimthorpe Colliery Band. A colliery is a coal mine, which as the the coal mine was being put out of business by the Thatcher government, what they call lovely euphemism is being made redundant. Uh-huh. <laughs> when they were being when they were being made redundant, the coal miners were getting out of work, so they were losing two thirds of their salary. Then suddenly at the same time the brass band got better and better and better and went and won the British Nationals won the, the national competition. And the film score to the movie was mm-hmm. played by the Grimthorpe Colliery Band. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And these are all amateurs. They're not paid. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, you it's it's just a remarkable – there's a remarkable level of music making in these bands. And the, the, the championships, the contests are – 
followed with a rabid ferocity by fans that closely resembles that of the the soccer club really? fans, yeah. So is it like like when you go to a classical music performance, typically like people don't clap until the end of a movement. Mm-hmm. You know, is that like at these performances, are people just whooping it up? Like, no, no, not so much. Um, but but there there are fans that just swear that uh, that uh, on my you know you hear these guys on the BBC occasionally talking about <laughs> um, on my deathbed I will never I'll never listen to the Black Dyke Mills band. <laughs> <laughs> or the, or the, the 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 so-and-so's, you know, the Yorkshire Building Society band and all these things. Um but they're they're very they're very fierce in their loyalties yeah. and they're followed like sports teams. Do they have like uh, uh mascots and, and like They um, have well they they have uniforms uh-huh. and they have the military tinge to the look of them. Um and they have stand banners. They're banners that hang on the music stands and uh culture of it is of and by the people, the workers. Uh-huh. So the people attending the concerts are also from the same community and, you know, the same socioeconomic level. Uh-huh. And, I mean, you you literally have have coal miners in the audience and coal miners playing. Or uh, it's now, of course, there are not so many coal mines there, but it's very much the rule to see a brass band attached to almost every major organization or institution wow. so that there'd be a you know the police academy will have a band i mean i first heard Br- uh, british brass bands live in in glasgow mm-hmm. and i was cooking dinner for my then in-laws and i was listening to the bbc and there's this phenomenal brass band performance mm-hmm. going on and then the announcer comes on and lo and behold it's a live broadcast of a competition ac- across the street from me at the university of glasgow so I let my then wife go ahead and cook the rest of the meal, and I ran across it, and <laughs> I was enthralled, oh. especially youth brass bands. The Scottish National uh, Youth Brass Band of Scotland just knocked me out. They played Elgar Enigma variations and you know all sorts of major orchestral wow. pieces and transcriptions. Well, you, you mentioned that there are people who compose for these brass bands. And yeah. are we talking like just sort of – I don't know, random guys from the community? Are we talking about like major classical composers? There is a genre and uh, of contest pieces. They have to come up with new contest pieces every year. Uh-huh. So the very best composers are commissioned to write these things. But if you go back to like, I think in 1937, mm-hmm. Gustav Holst wrote the Moorside Suite. Mm-hmm. He was commissioned. Elgar did a commission. Uh, Von Williams wrote a couple of pieces. The wonderful trumpet player and composer Malcolm Arnold mm-hmm. wrote a little suite for brass, which was then tra- transcribed into wind band mm-hmm. music. And I played that at Northwestern, and I love the piece. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, you know, 30 years later, oh, I learned that it's actually originally written for brass for band. brass band? And it's it's a way better piece for the brass band. We we should hear some of this music. We've we've talked it up. I feel like we should hear a piece. Of well, music. part part and parcel brass band concerts, because they're community oriented. Usually, yeah. uh, is usually a good sense of humor. There's uh, and one of the pieces we uh, we have performed in the past. It was the uh, this the piece called Tuba Copper from. It's based on the Gilbert and Sullivan. I forget which one it is, which operetta it is, but the uh, the tuba plays the solo part and is representing the copper, the policeman on okay. his beat, 
and this is this was played live. This is from a live performance as we we did several years ago. Um, we the Houston Brass Band. Houston Brass Band yeah. did yeah, and uh, the soloist is Ollie Jackson, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a terrifically fun performance. Oh, let's hear it. That's the little E-flat cornet playing the okay. pie above the tuba. Okay. That's, we, were, we were talking a little bit about cornets before we started uh-huh. recording, because that's, that's what I played on when I was a kid, and you were saying that the American cornets that, that most kids play on here and, and bands and things like that are different from the British cornet, which I did not know. Yeah, most, most of the cornets, almost all of them in the U.S., are built out of trumpet parts. Uh-huh but then wound differently. Uh-huh. So you, you have, it's essentially cylindrical tubing, whereas the British cornets are much more difficult to manufacture because they're conical, conically bored all the way through. What does that mean, conically bored? That means it, it starts out very, very small bore, and the bore con- uh, continually, gradually gets larger and larger through ah. the length of the whole tube Whoa. all the way to the bell. That's interesting. Yeah. So basically, if you if you pulled it out into one straight line, it would go from narrow to wide to the bell. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. There you hear the klaxons of the of the horns. Uh-huh. And this might be a dumb question, but but. Uh, when the brass bands play, are they sitting down? Are they standing up? How do, how do they perform? That's a really good question. Oh, okay. Good. No, <laughs> no, sitting down, okay. just like like a symphony orchestra gotcha. or, or a wind band. Okay. <laughs> I like that ending. Oh, it was not an ending. That was, I think that was something that the soloist just decided on in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. How, so how many members are in a typical brass band? Like what, what, what kind of numbers are we talking about? It's 33, 35, 36, something like that. Uh, Usually the brass band will carry a few more in order that when somebody's out of town on business or something that you have all the parts covered. Yeah. But that's yeah, it's a fairly small ensemble, and almost just about everybody is one on a part. Okay, so it's a very accountable uh, sort of group to work with. Wow. Yeah. So most of these are community bands, and so they're not being paid to do this. I'm assuming, and and so they're just 
coming out and playing together, like yeah. when there are rehearsals and and like like what does I guess um, what does a brass band do? Like as like what do they? You were talking about the history and how they would get together sort of after work before going to the pub. Um, but what is what does a modern British brass band do? Actually, it's uh, still very much that way. Uh, uh-huh. the going to the pub uh, activity at the end of the rehearsal is seems to be very, very important. <laughs> um, and and indeed, it is after work. Uh, uh-huh. We have doctors and lawyers and and uh, all sorts of people from different walks of life, including yeah. a lot of music educators who come to rehearsal on a Monday night, you know, and I know how tired they are. Yeah. And uh, to get them to to get them to want to come is a, is a bit of the challenge. Mm-hmm. So rehearsals have to be organized and focused, and that's my job. And even though they get a lot of uh, pretty firm direction from me, the players seem to want to come and do that. Because playing the music well is so satisfying, and the mm-hmm. audiences respond. And you came from the Houston Symphony, where you were—I mean, you were playing with a symphony orchestra, and and you came to this, so you were bringing that sort of discipline and aesthetic to to the Houston Brass Band. That's an interesting transition to make. Well, it it it, it really is. Um, this one time, somebody said. You know, you're, are you trying to make this into a professional organization? I said, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> because cause once upon a time, I was washing dishes in an Italian restaurant in Chicago. And then I came down here to Houston. And it's funny, it's 33 years ago today, I won an audition for mm-hmm. the Houston Symphony. And I immediately, I think I, my pay went from uh, $62 and some odd cents a week to a heck of a lot more than that uh-huh. instantly. And did I become a better player? No. <laughs> I was unemployed before as a trumpet player, but I was plenty good. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't even know what the term amateur musician means. Mm-hmm. When, when I hear British brass bands, wow, they could play anywhere with anyone. And I know I've got a bunch of friends in English orchestras who go and play in British brass bands? Is that an amateur? I don't know what that is. I just, that, yeah. And and I've never been able. I, I just think there's a, to paraphrase uh, Duke Ellington, there's good musicians and then there's the other type. And <laughs> and the enthusiasm in a in a brass band is just marvelous. It's a it's a uh-huh. really great thing. Mm-hmm. But the level of players in there, I've got the the solo tenor horn player. Now a tenor horn doesn't exist outside of a brass band. This fellow is an attorney and is a terrific musician. He played in the New World Symphony, the training orchestra in uh, Miami Beach, the one uh-huh. run by Michael Tilson Thomas. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was he's a Nats eyelash away from playing in a major orchestra. Many of his people he played with did get jobs. But in t- instead he becomes an attorney. He's a fine musician and he's a delightful tenor horn player. And it's... It's it's just so interesting the sort of people who come to us who want to play with us, mm-hmm. but there is this culture of it is a little blue collar, uh-huh. and yet sometimes we're playing pieces that are exquisite and they're terrifically difficult. But still, the mood in rehearsal mm-hmm. is also usually it's very I'm I'm very demanding, but the uh, the humor is terrific. Yeah, we have a marvelous bass trombonist named uh, Lane Rockoff who is a complete card. And 
the first time I was conducting a transcription of Franz Liszt's Les Preludes, mm-hmm. great orchestral tone poem, I was going through the score and then I paused and made the mistake of speaking my thoughts. And it just came to mind. And I, I looked up and I said, you know, even though I have all these decades of experience, almost all of it's, you know, with kind of substandard, not very good conductors. And immediately Lane said, yeah, just like us. <laughs> and the whole room did what you just did. Everybody laughed. <laughs> and you know you're in the right room when that's the mood. Yeah. Because people are very serious, but, you know, especially if you can take a swat at a conductor, you know. <laughs> what what are we going to do, lower his pay? <laughs> but... Um, but, so, the, there's, but there's a great levity about it, and there's a great sense of uh, friendship and, and uh, enthusiasm in, inside the group. Now, I, I think I'm, I'm getting it. Like, it's, so it kind of evolved from this blue-collar thing uh, as something to to distract the working people from the fact that the, they had to do something with their life outside of work. And now it's become a place for quote-unquote amateur musicians to, to get together. Maybe they've chosen other careers, but they have this place to go to where they can have fun and play music. That's interesting. And, I like yeah. how you say that. They have this place to go to because it's not just literal. It, it, it is a... It's yeah. a metaphorical place. Yeah, you, you, you can go and go into another world. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, I would say that uh, probably most of our rehearsals, the, the, the members of the Houston Brass Band are challenged in a way and are focused to a point that is very much like how we are in the Houston Symphony. Uh-huh. And there are few few things better, I think, for human beings to do than to come together in groups and make music. Yeah. It's just plain old healthy. We're, we're kind of wired to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and to see it done this way, mm-hmm. the, the way it's done in the British Brass Band is really heartwarming. It's also, also all those people are then having to practice their parts Mm-hmm. through the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everybody who plays an instrument in school learns very quickly that it doesn't matter what you what you say. It matters how you play. How you play. <laughs> it's just, you know, if it's not coming out the end of the end of the horn, just you better shut up. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You, be, you better bring it. Let's um before we wrap up our conversation, I would love to hear some more music. Do you have a piece that you could recommend? You know, I would like to hear the um Prelude for an Occasion by uh, Edward Gregson. Okay. Um, he's on the faculty at the Royal Northern School mm. of Music in uh, is it Manchester, I think, and terrific musician. <gasps> this is just a big introductory piece. It's a, it's the first cut on our on our first CD. Mm. Now that sounds British, doesn't it? It sounds very British, <laughs> with a hard T, British. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, you should always have tea if you're British. <laughs> I think you have to. But there's this reserve and this this stateliness to it yeah. that I really enjoy. And it, you know, it's and Gregson comes directly from Vaughn Williams in Elgar and in Stanford. Huh. That's Logan Cavanaugh playing that cornet solo. It sounds like brass bands play a lot of very energetic music. Yeah, that's that- fair. That's fair to say. Okay. Very fair to say. Not a lot of sleepy time. Not a lot. Um, There are, we have transcriptions of just about everything there is. Yeah. You know, Pavan for Dead Princess and things like that. But I think this was a a contest piece. So you'll have every aspect of every bit of technique shown off. And yes, there will be a slow slow bit. I, I don't recall actually in this one. But all of these sounds being made by an ensemble made up only of a few percussion and brass. Mm. That's a remarkable array of colors to achieve. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if you know of or have ever seen the Trooping of the Color, which on the Queen's, is it on her birthday? It happens, I think, in June. And I was in London one time, and there's about 100,000 bands and and other, but mostly uh, military personnel, Trooping of the Color. So they, they're something about the flag and marching. Mm-hmm. And there's all these British brass bands, military brass bands. It's Stunning what really? they do. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And it's, it's on the BBC usually. I'll um, see if I can find some video and post it with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Robert Wolf, thank you so much for being on The Classical Classroom. This has been a really cool discussion about something I had never even heard of before. Well, we'll have to get you to a concert. Where, yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of, if you're in Houston, listeners, the Houston Brass Band is going to be playing a show at Wharton County Junior College on June 6th, and you should go and check them out. I'll post links to that event on our webpage for you. And Robert, you said there's something else going on too, right? We're also playing on the Houston Symphony's annual Day of Music on Saturday, I think July 9th, I think is what it is. And uh, for any youngsters interested in, in participating with our annual in our annual brass instrument only band camp, that's called the Bob Camp. Um, <laughs> not my fault. I, did, I didn't name it. Um, that's on June 17, 18, and 19 at Lanier nice. Middle School. Okay. And the, the culminating event of that is a concert in which the kids get to sit within the Houston Brass Band with whom they've been working over the whole weekend. Well, cool. I will put links up to that, too. So that does it for this episode of Classical Classroom. Everyone, for more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org slash classroom. You can also follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Tumblr, and SoundCloud. Don't forget uh, to rate and review us on iTunes, lest bad karma befall you. 
Thanks today <laughs> to audio producer Todd Trombone Shorty Holslander for twiddling knobs. Thanks to editor Mark DeClaudio for his piercing Miles Davis eyes. Thanks to Robert Walt for being here today. Thanks to me for saying words. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>